Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. From Tsunami Sushi in downtown Lafayette, we're Out to Lunch with Christian Maida, editor and publisher of The Current. It's business Acadiana style. Welcome to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. How do you convince a customer to buy a service they don't know they need? That's often the steepest hill to climb for businesses that offer improvements on existing products. If solving a problem is the surest path to success, then satisfaction in the market can be a real hurdle. But if what you do works that much better than what's available, you're bound to blow the competition away or maybe blast it away. My guest, Greg Free is in the media blasting business. His company, General Abrasives, is unique in the Acadiana market. Yeah, you can find pressure washers and other surface cleaning companies, but Greg's company uses dry ice. The technique is powerful. Dry ice leaves no water or chemicals behind. It kills bacteria and mold and can even deodorize smoke out of wood. It's a faster, cleaner process than what's typically available. He started the business after working in IT at casinos. He's originally from Austin and now lives in Opelousas. Greg Free, welcome to Out the Lunch. Thanks, Christian. Good to be here. Believe it or not, when Michelle Thomas Parker launched Southern Mixed Bartending Services, there was a gap in the market for mobile bartending. In a state known for partying, there were relatively few companies that offered full-service bartending that could flex to meet events big and small. Michelle spent 30 years in the hospitality industry and saw how a personal touch or a twist could make a difference. So when she saw an opening in the event market, she seized on it. Southern Mix specializes in customizing bar service. Michelle and her team take the same level of care for weddings and backyard parties that you typically see with caterers. They design menus and specialty cocktails that enhance an event experience. Michelle grew up in Lafayette and has worked in bars and restaurants across the state. She founded Southern Mix in 2018. Michelle Thomas Parker, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Um, Greg, one of the advantages of dry ice, right, is that you don't have to disassemble, right, this big piece of industrial equipment to clean it. And that sounds like something that, you know, if you've never seen it in action before, you don't want to, like, believe it. You have to see it to believe it. Excuse me. So, you know, when you're trying to get this into a, a new business's hands, right, like, are they skeptical that this stuff is even going to work? Definitely. Well, the main thing is having to explain three or four times exactly what, so dry ice? And what do you do with dry ice? Because people's exposure to dry ice is decorating for Halloween or something like that. They, <laughs> right. they, they never consider using it as a cleaning medium. So yeah. when you say, I can take that piece of equipment that you guys have to take offline, yeah. so you're not using it for production, scrub it down by hand manually for three or four days using three or four people, yeah. but I can do it in place, leave it plugged in, I can pressure blast it with dry ice and clean it better than you guys could do it yeah. manually with no chemicals. Yeah, it's nothing but skepticism because nobody has a frame of reference for it. Yeah, that was good. It's, you know, mine would be certainly Halloween or just like it was a magic trick right. when I was a kid, <laughs> right? right. right? Yeah. Um, so, so, but I mean, you can't just buy this stuff anywhere. I mean, I think, I guess I'm in, I have a memory of going to the grocery store with my mom and sure. maybe there was dry ice there, but certainly you're not like going to Rouse's and buying dry ice. I mean, how do no. you get dry ice that, that we actually work tried that and it, it worked badly. It was terrible. <laughs> so they'll sell little blocks. Yeah. Um, we buy from a specialty manufacturer in yeah. Houston. Um, it's a company that's actually kind of mentored us in starting the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they manufacture dry ice in the sizes we need, which is about the size of a piece of medium grain rice. Okay. 
So three millimeter blasting rice. Uh, transporting it logistically, it can be a challenge, uh, and, and that's one of the barriers. To, not necessarily barriers to entry, but barriers to operation in the business is yep. that you have to plan to get your ice. Yeah. Uh, you got to keep it fresh. Fresh ice is best. Um, so, yeah, we, we do have to travel for it. Nobody around here locally does it. It is our intention to eventually be in the production side of hmm. dry ice, but that's a little bit down the road. So, Michelle, I'm thinking maybe a big challenge for you, right, is that if you're somebody's programming an event, the bar service can be kind of an afterthought. They're thinking to themselves, like, hey, if I could just get an open bar people aren't paying for it they're going to be happy right so they're maybe not thinking they need like an elevated experience so is is your first step having to convince people right that maybe what they want is a different experience or, or do people come to this and say like yeah i do want something really special you know for my bar service at my event well usually we have to convince <laughs> a client that um that's a service that they they need yeah. especially for weddings you want your weddings to be nice and elegant you don't want the hassle of um you know, going by alcohol and, yep. you know, back in the day, it used to be like mom and pops, you know, you have your uncles and everyone that would kind of do the bartending, but you need a, an upscale bartending service to go right. in and carefree. You yep. go, we go in and we take care of everything from the beginning to the end. Uh, we do a nice product um, consultation with our clients just to tailor it just for that event. Mm-hmm. And I love the dry ice because um, that's the only time I heard that dry ice could be used. So we use dry ice for Halloween, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I was excited about this part. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, Michelle, I mean, do you, when you're doing these consultations, I mean, give me a sense of, like, what the creative element for that actually is. I mean, is it just like, hey, you know, you're a whiskey family, so we're going to make sure you guys have highballs and uh, Manhattans, or, or is it more something like we're going to create a custom cocktail for you that's going to reflect your family history or something, you know, really wild? Well... I'll talk about one of the clients that I just picked up. So they're dog lovers, right? So they want specialty drinks and they want to name it based on, you know, the hound or whatever. But it's pretty cool because like they said, they have pets, they have dogs. So we'll tailor it to what the client wants. So, you know, we ask them, we try to do it gender friendly. Mm -hmm. So meaning that we want to make sure that we don't have just the fruity stuff for the ladies, Mm -hmm. um, but we want to have something like an old fashioned for the guys. Um, You know, we tailor especially for the clients. So that's what I love the most about the consultations because we can, you know, get down to the meat and the potatoes of what you truly like. You know, because when you're spending that kind of money on an event, you want it to be special. You want it, to, you know, you want to remember those moments. And that's the moments we try to uh, put an impact on our clients. Yeah. Hey, Greg, so you, you mentioned kind of in your last response that you were hoping to move into the production side of dry ice, which raises an important question, which is actually how do you make dry ice? I mean, how do you go from, I mean, like, if you're buying it from this manufacturer, I mean, I assume you're not just like literally freezing carbon dioxide. I mean, I guess that's what you literally do. But how does one do that? Actually, you're pretty. You're pretty it's not a very complicated process. Yeah. Um, the carbon dioxide that's used to make dry ice is captured as part of a cap recapture program that, like big refineries and chemical manufacturers, will go into. So, to eliminate emitted carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, yeah. they capture that gas. So it's a green process. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and. and you know, it's a it's a net positive because not only we're using captured carbon dioxide when we use it in a process that eliminates chemicals or runoff or even human hazard and injury. You're, you're the net of, of it is you're getting a better a better impact for the carbon dioxide you take in. 
So these guys capture carbon dioxide, and then it goes to a gas company. You'll see the trucks around, like Air Liquide and Lindy and companies like that. You just buy a big tank. They drop carbon dioxide off to you. And then we have a relationship with a manufacturer that sells the equipment that takes that carbon dioxide, compresses it way down, and then makes it into blocks or rice or balls or however you want to do it. So it's really a, it's a simple process. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the equipment isn't terribly difficult to maintain. It is you know, somewhat expensive, mm-hmm. but it's one of those markets that just not a lot of people are aware of. However, the need, you know, when you're talking about things like organ transport, uh, air travel catering, I mean, even bartending, you can put dry ice in drinks and mm-hmm. to use it because it's carbonation. You drop dry ice in some spring water and it's carbonated water. You can drink it. So, it, you know, use it for health care. During COVID, um, when we first got into transporting vaccines, they used dry ice to preserve vaccines for transport. So mm. it's just a, it's a large market. Dry ice blasting is a, is a big part of that market. For us, being able to manufacture it eliminates the logistics of having to drive three hours to Houston to go pick it up. So it's definitely a benefit for us, but we yeah. could also support other people that yeah. needed it. Michelle, I mean, what are your supply chain issues like? I mean, so so you're, I'm assuming, buying liquor at wholesale. I mean, how does this, you're not making the whiskey, or maybe you are. I mean, what, what you know, is that part of the service that you're providing that you, you know, you're able to buy it at a certain cost? Or, or is it just that you're really hoping to be uh, the service provider and not so much the, the conduit for buying alcohol? Well, we do both sides. Yeah. We do um, the service part of it. Um, it's all about a client's um, budget, right? Yeah. So when we do the all-inclusive, um, we just have to go through wholesalers. Yeah. So, you know, you go through Republic or any type of distributor that's local, and uh, you get your alcohol from there. So. Yeah, I mean, and, and you're having to get liquor licenses every time you set up, right? I mean, is that a function just like a Louisiana state law that does it that way? I mean, like, why can't you just have a liquor license to sell alcohol everywhere you go? Well, I do not have a brick and mortar at this time. So as a mobile bartending service, um, you do have to get your permits and license each time you do um, cash exchange events, if that makes sense. Like if you have a cash bar or if you're doing like an all-inclusive, but if a client is providing their own, then you don't need that type of information, you know, that type of licensure. Do, do, do mobile bartending services tend to eventually open brick and mortar things? It seems like you would never need to have a brick and mortar well, shop, right? you know, you do need it if you want to expand, huh. right? So, you know, there are freelance bartenders that drop in and out. Yeah. Well, for myself, um, I am in the process of looking for a brick and mortar hmm. um, because we also have bars that I've purchased so we can rent bars out, so we can rent equipment out. Um, so if you know you have an event, you can rent those items out. So as long as it's stored properly mm-hmm. um, at your brick and mortar, yes, you can have a liquor license. Mm-hmm. You just have to go through the, the production of it, you know? Yeah, Greg, I mean, are there special permitting requirements for using dry ice? I mean, I, it seems like you could drop it in a drink. It doesn't seem like it'd be particularly dangerous, but I mean, I, I don't want to make assumptions here. Depends on the kind of work you do. Uh, just like anybody else, if you work with uh, hazardous materials like lead or yeah. asbestos or mold, you have to have a permit from the state for that. Uh, one unique thing about dry ice is it's oxygen depleting. So you've heard of enclosed space work, like if you're working inside a tank or inside a small area. Yeah. Carbon dioxide actually pushes the oxygen out of that area. Yeah. So if you're in there without contained air, like, like you would dive with, so you would have to have your own air to breathe in a small space where the carbon dioxide can push all the oxygen out 
So you'd have to have certifications for confined workspaces. So nothing that has specifically to do with using the CO2 or the dryest itself, but just has to do with what you're actually working on, the surface you're working on or the place you're working in. Yeah. So who are your primary kinds of clients right now? I mean, I I know we kind of generally talked about the broad applications, right? Like what it can do, but but who's really buying the service? Uh, So right now, you know, we're still working on finding our niche, but the most obvious customers that have come to us first are industrial painting, Mm -hmm. um, customers that do restoration work like water damage and smoke and that type of damage restoration. Uh, You know, painters will come to us with weird problems like we accidentally painted a wall that wasn't supposed to be painted, and getting paint off a brick can be tough. So we had a painter say, can you please help us get the paint off this brick wall? And it was inside. So we couldn't pressure wash it. They couldn't use chemicals on it. So just things like that. So it also found a niche in the automotive restoration business. So you have people with that collect high-end automobiles. I mean, we're talking, you know, $750,000 Mercedes. They want them clean, but they don't want water. No chemicals. They don't want to wipe them. So you can clean the engine bay and the undercarriage of vehicles that you don't want to get wet. You don't want to expose to chemicals. It's a niche. So um, it's it's it's. Again, we're educating a market as we're serving it. So yeah, it, it, we find new, literally new uses all the time. Yeah, that so sounds like it. Even food service, you know, food service, man, food manufacturing, um, you know, it sanitizes, it kills E. coli and salmonella. So you can use it on a food production line without having to shut the production line and take it apart. So another interesting thing about dry ice is it's not electrically conductive. So if you have now, personally, I've never tried it, but if you have high-voltage electrical gear, yep. it needs to be cleaned, which insulators and things like that happens every once in a while. You do need to clean HP gear. Yep. You can blast it without de-energizing it because the the blast stream isn't conductive. Hmm. Now, you had to watch out for condensation because it's super cold. Dry ice is negative, a little over negative 100 degrees, so you can tend to make condensation when you blast warm and humid stuff here in Louisiana. We're going to have to find an application, something that dry ice can't do. Um, so <laughs> you're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. I'm talking to Greg Free, owner of General Abraces, and Michelle Thomas-Parker, who owns Southern Mix Bartending Services. M- Michelle, I mean, what, what would you say is your niche at this point? I mean, I was kind of thinking about, you know, the, the general idea behind your business, and I would actually think, like, if there aren't that many mobile bartending services, your main competitor would just be caterers, right, who already kind of offer this service maybe on the side, but so are you finding that you're getting different kinds of customers than maybe a traditional caterer or is it the same kinds of events? Um, I think it's the same types of events. Um, We, we definitely, um, I love weddings. Like I can't speak enough about weddings because I always put myself in that situation as a bride, you Mm -hmm. know, the groom, you know, you guys really don't um, care much about that, (laughs) but you, well, you do, but I did. Okay. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, you're in that one percentile, right? Let me, let me correct it. I cared a lot about what we ate and what we drank. And guess what? And that's the most important piece, what you drink and what you eat. And I think that's where people should really focus on their budget. Sure. um, Because you want people to have a great experience and being in the service industry, of course, that's my passion. So yeah, it's about the same. Talk, talk to me a little bit more about the, the sort of the brick and mortar concept you have. I mean, the, the, I just want to make sure I understood it correctly. I mean, were you saying that you're trying to open a bar, as in like you know, Southern Mix the bar experience, or or was it like a uh, a supplier kind of situation where you're, you're you're sort of supplying services? I just misunderstood. I think what you were getting at. Well, I am looking for um, a space that I can host events. Okay. Um, and also all 
um, add the all-inclusive package yep. so it can be a one-stop shop. So I think they would call that vertical integration in business. <laughs> <laughs> Something to that effect. So, I mean, as Greg, as you're trying to figure out these sort of new uses of this stuff, right? I right. mean, it seems to me like it kind of just makes sense. I mean, like, I'm hearing you talk about it, and I'm like, okay, well, why wouldn't we just stop using the stuff that we're using now, right? right? I mean, I've pressure washed my house. It was a pain, you know, and I, it did strike me. Now my house smells like, not now, but it just smells like bleach or whatever, chemically sticking the hose. I mean, why aren't we all just kind of ditching that stuff? I'm sort of making your case for you here. Like, why sure. aren't we all just ditching our stuff and going straight to dry ice? It makes a lot of sense to me. Right. It, it's just habit. Uh, yeah. I, a lot of industrial processes, these guys have been doing it the same way for, for years, especially, you know, oil and gas and chemical manufacturing and up, up, up to and including painters. Yeah. You know, we've been sandblasting for years. Uh, we've been, and there's other dry forms of blasting. We've been using pressure washers for years. So it's getting people in, into a new habit. But the main reason everybody's not using it is because I can only talk to so many people at one time. Yeah. So when you do go and you, you have a conversation with a customer, you let them tell you what the value is. I, I just go and say, look, this is this is what it does. You tell me what you do on a regular basis that, that this could replace or stand in for. Um, so it's, you know, and you do have a lot of companies that they're trying to hit their sustainability goals. They are, you know, they've got lots of EPA and state DEQ regulations that are prohibiting certain, you know, uh, media blasting processes and cleaning processes. So they're actively looking for an alternative. Um, it's been, you know, widely used in Europe since the late 80s to early 90s where things like pressure washing and chemical usage and things like that were outlawed. Hmm. The big thing with sandblasting now is the cloud. So you have sure. a silicosis that can develop from breathing in dust from sandblasting. So it's it's not outlawed, but it's so highly regulated, it's become expensive. Um, so people are looking for an alternative. And you have a lot of private, you know, a lot of businesses that aren't willing to invest in the equipment to do blasting, sandblasting, or dry ice blasting themselves, but they will definitely give somebody like us an opportunity to test it out and, and the other thing is it's kind of like you said before christian they just they don't believe it they just don't <laughs> just let, let me let, let me just see it work sure let me see it work a couple of times and let, let me believe you and then so again we're, we're educating the market yeah i mean it, you mentioned earlier michelle that there was a bit of education i guess going on or you're, you're kind of having to get people to see that maybe bar service could look a little different i mean um what's changed as you you know started to, to get, like, what, what do people resonate with, I guess, about your concept is a better way of asking the question. They resonate with the the fact that um, I think because of the passion that we bring behind it, the professionalism that we bring, and um, just making sure that we tailor it, because, you know, in this age and world, everything is about pretty and, mm -hmm. you know, fun and exciting social media pictures that they can take so they want everything to be grand mm -hmm. so we have to definitely make sure that we give them the grand experience so that's why we start with the consultation mm -hmm. so when they hear that it's like we get a consultation like what <laughs> you know and then we go in we dive in deep you know and if there are clients that you know their budget may not want to be all-inclusive mm -hmm. so what we'll do is I'll say well you know once you book our service for bartenders only um, I will give you um, recommendations of what to purchase, mm -hmm. you know, and that'll stay in their budget because, you know, and we also put, do um, 
portion control on alcohol. So, you know, we educate them when we're there. It's like, you know, we check IDs, even though it's a wedding, you know, someone walks up and they look underage, you know, we check IDs, you know, we are very professional about how we do the things we do. And we want people to feel safe. You know, we don't want anyone to be on the roads drinking and driving, you know, if we have to call Ubers or whatever, like we'll do all of that. I'll step in, like I always have like, one particular person that I need to speak with, right? And yeah. that's not the bride or groom. It's someone else. It's always an uncle. It's always someone else. Yeah. So we can diffuse whatever situations <laughs> we need to do. We the uncle, uncle, right? Yeah, yeah. And we just take them to the side yeah. and do whatever we need to do, yeah. you know. But And once they do that, um, once we do that as a service, we started growing off a lot of referrals. So we get a lot of people that refer us a lot. So when we go on site and it's like, wait, we didn't even realize we was going to get all of this. You know, because you hear it, but you don't really get that um, effect until we actually show up. Right. You know, and um, they love it. People absolutely love the customizing of packages. So when you guys have to get the liquor delivered, does it make y'all liable for the situation? I mean, like, I'm trying to think about the, you, obviously you take responsibility. It's just a good thing to do to be mm-hmm. like, I'm going to cut you, cut off Uncle Bob, right? I mean, he's, he's just getting out of control. But, I mean, is there actually a, a liability exposure for your business, too? Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay. So the, and we, we have insurance to cover that. Wow, okay, wow. So, so there's there a lot of risk that you have to take yeah, on just for risk. people to have a good time. So that's why it's really important that you take it serious. Yeah. And you pay attention to the dynamics of people when they're coming back to the bar. Yeah. Because we reserve the right to stop serving anyone. Yeah. No one can't force me to serve an alcoholic drink regardless of your age. Um, So we are very mindful. You know, my staff is very mindful. If someone comes up too many times, we don't pour doubles, you know? So we we just have a a way that we do things because we, you know, we want you to have a a old fashioned, but we don't want a triple shot of old fashioned, (laughs) right? You know, there are rules around it, you know? Every drink, you need one hour to leave out of your body. Sure. So we have to know those different concepts. You know, it's kind of small to some people, but it's, it's huge to us, you know? Yeah. Well, and that, of course, takes staffing, right? I mean, yes. Smart, I mean, you know, lots of hospitality companies have struggled a little bit with staffing. I mean, has that been difficult for you guys to find the right people? Well, right now we have 60, I have 16 ladies on my team looking for a few guys. Okay. <laughs> we love the guys, not just for their muscles, but, yeah. you know, it's all about the personalities. Sure. Um, but we have 16 people on our team at this time. And um, so far, so good. Yeah. So far, so good. But Greg, what about you? I mean, the staffing, I, I understand, is you, maybe your wife. and Right. It's all family right now. It's family. So I mean, my, my kids primarily run it. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm the face. I got to talk to people. So your kids do the blasting? The kids do the blasting, yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're I mean they're they're older, bigger guys, okay. so oil field experience and, and things like oh, that. So, so these are yeah. like twelve year olds, dude. No, these aren't twelve year olds. <laughs> Even I mean, though like, it could have been it could be like mowing a lawn or something. Right. I don't know. I yeah. mean whatever it goes. It's, it's tough to hold. Uh, yeah. Like my wife and my daughter don't like to hold it because it's kinda like holding a, a fire hose. I mean it's hundred and fifty PSI, so Whoa, it's not all right. Yeah, it's not it's not light. And the, the applicator end is heavy and yeah. so it's work. I mean it's it's not it's not an easy thing to do, but I got two big strapping boys that can that can handle that work. So are they interested in bartending? Because it sounds like <laughs> <laughs> they're interested in going to the bar. <laughs> I, I know what side of the bar they're interested in. <laughs> so I, I, I got I got to ask. I mean, you're very I was well versed in the technology, the science of this. I mean, you were working in IT before, right? Were you just a media blasting enthusiast i mean how do you move into this to the, the point where you you kind of live and breathe it uh well it's it's one of those things where 
I accidentally stumbled upon it I, to, to talk about it. It's, it's kind of weird and strange, yep. but uh, in my casino days, one of the unfortunate occurrences occasionally in casinos is you have organic and, and biological stuff that you have to clean up. Yeah. Um, and, and again, one of the unfortunate things is sometimes that organic stuff is, is human organic stuff. Sure. Okay. So in one of the ways they figured they could clean it up, they determined they could clean it up uh, without making a mess, without using a lot of chemicals, without tearing up carpet or anything like that is dry ice. Yeah. Was, so that was my first exposure to it, and that was probably 15 years ago. Wow. And after that, to do more research into, like, for example, they used it to deodorize uh, smoking hotel rooms. They could turn a smoking hotel room into a non-smoking hotel room and eliminate the smell. Um, they would use it to sanitize and clean mattresses. So that was my first exposure to it was in the casino days. Michelle, I mean, were you surprised when you kind of had this idea that it wasn't that common? And when I saw that, I was like, like would seem like this was fairly common but it wasn't i mean did that surprise you well it did surprise me that it wasn't a lot of actual companies that were running and functionable um well there have always been freelance bartenders sure right always been you know people that go work for different bars but an actual company that serves and tailored to it outside of um caterers it didn't exist at least i didn't see it exist yeah yeah well i mean look at the end of the day the key to success, right, is just finding something that no one else is doing and being the first one to do it or just being the first one anybody knows is doing it. It's also right. really helpful. So thank you guys both for joining me on Out to Lunch at KDN. Thanks, Christian. Thank you so much. My guests on Out to Lunch at KDN today have been Greg Free, owner of General Abrasives, and Michelle Thomas-Parker, owner of Southern Mix Bartending Services. We edited this conversation to fit into our time slot here on KRBS, and you can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Greg and Michelle by listening to the Out to Lunch Acadiana podcast. You can find and subscribe on your podcast app and on our website, it's acadiana.com. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsacadiana.com and on our Out to Lunch Acadiana social media. These photos were taken by Aster Morgan. You can find more of Aster's photos at astermorgan.com. Out to Lunch Acadiana is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRBS 88.7 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producers are Molly Richard and Chad Terrio. Our researcher is Leah Erdialis. Today's show was engineered by Dylan Babineau. I'm Christian Mader, editor of The Current, Lafayette's nonprofit news outlet. For stories deeper than the headlines, head to thecurrentla.com. Join me next time for more business and conversation on Out to Lunch Acadiana. Bye-bye. Out to Lunch Acadiana was recorded live over lunch at Tsunami Sushi on Jefferson Street in downtown Lafayette. Tsunami is open Tuesday through Saturday for lunch and dinner, serving sushi, sashimi, salads, and authentic Japanese grilled dishes. Tsunami welcomes casual dining or reservations. More information at servingsushi.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. And by Sunday Soda Fountain, nostalgic classics like ice cream sundaes, house-made sodas, and even libations on Jefferson Street in downtown Lafayette. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at mitchellforeman.com. If you'd like to be part of Out to Lunch, to learn how your business or organization can become an Out to Lunch program partner, email info at inobroadcasting.com.